Welcome to the Weird History Podcast. I'm Joe Strecker. This is an independent, ad-free, listener-supported podcast. To become a supporter, go to weirdhistorypodcast.com. Let's set the scene. It's ancient Rome, a bit over 2,000 years ago. You're hanging out in a forum doing, you know, ancient Roman stuff. You're in the shadow of the Palatine Hill, talking to your friends, discussing the glorious empire you live in, full of aqueducts and philosophy and Cicero and all that business. And your toga-wearing discourse is interrupted by a naked man running past you who's holding a whip. It's a whip that looks like it's made out of bloody skin, and he's using it to strike crowds of nearby onlookers. Mostly women, but not exclusively. And these people the streaker is hitting, they are not just folks who are random victims of some kind of run-by whipping. No, they are into it. They're going out of their way to get hit by this bloody naked guy who is administering public smacks to folks as he runs around. In fact, your friend, who you were just talking to, sees this and gets really excited. And he's like, one second, bro, one second. I got to get a smack from the naked dude. And holds out his hand so that that guy smacks him right across the face. And he's like, yeah, as he wipes goat blood from his face. What is going on? This is the Roman festival of Lupercalia a holiday celebrated on or between February 13th through 15th in the Roman Republic and later on in the Roman Empire. It was called Lupercalia, not because it was a wolf-themed per se, but because the opening rites were held in the Lupercal Cave, the place where, according to Roman tradition, Romulus and Remus were raised by wolves. The priest who oversaw rites in that cave were called the Luperci, which is usually translated in English as the Brotherhood of the Wolf, and that is an incredibly cool thing for your priesthood to be called. Uh, Unfortunately, we don't have any evidence that the Luperci actually dressed up as wolves while overseeing sacrifices and holidays and rites and all that, but one likes to believe that they did. Lupercalia was the main festival that the Luperci oversaw. Uh, By the way, they were usually young guys between 20 to 40, and there were two different colleges of the Luperci depending on what families you were from. There was also a third college that Mark Antony and Julius Caesar invented later on, but we'll get to that. The distinctions are not super important. What's important is that it was a festival of naked guys dashing around with whips made out of skin and smacking people who were very excited about it. Plutarch is our main written source for what happened during Lupercalia, and this is what he has to say about it in his Lives. Quote, that of Lupercalia would seem, from the time of its celebration, to be a ceremony of purification, for it is held during the ominous days of February, a month whose name one might translate by purification, and that particular day was originally called Februate. The name of this feast in Greek signifies that of wolves, and it is thought on this account to be very ancient, and derived from the Arcadians, who came to Italy with Evander. Evander, by the way, is a mythological figure in Roman folklore. He's supposed to be the son of Mercury and was a wise king and all that. 
basically living in a pastoral Arcadian time period that predated the Roman Republic. But going on with more Plutarch, still, this is an open question, for the name may have arisen from the she-wolf, as we see that the Luprici start to run their course from the place where Romulus is said to have been exposed. The circumstances of the ritual are such as to make it hard to conjecture their meaning. They slaughter goats, and then two youths of good family are brought to them. Then, some with a bloody knife mark the foreheads of the youths, and others at once wipe the blood away with wool dipped in milk. The youths are expected to laugh when it was wiped away. After this, they cut the skins of the goats into strips and run about naked, except a girdle round the middle, striking with the thongs all whom they meet. Women in the prime of life do not avoid being struck, as they believe that it assists them in childbirth and promotes fertility. Unquote. Plutarch goes on to speculate more about the origins of Lupercalia, which he thinks is Greek, and he was writing at the beginning of the 100 CE, and at the time wasn't really sure how the festival originated. Uh, you heard him speculating at the beginning of that quote as well. Now, almost 2,000 years later, we still don't really know where Lupercalia comes from. Our guess is as good as Plutarch's. Uh, it might be Greek, and it might also be an evolution of pre-Roman fertility rites that originated on the Italian peninsula. Or it might be some mixture of both Greek and pre-Roman Italian ritual. We just don't know. But probably the most famous thing to happen on Lupercalia was a stunt by Mark Antony and Julius Caesar. Caesar, being Caesar, created his own branch of the Luperci priesthood that he was in charge of. This priesthood did not last particularly long, by the way. It basically stopped existing as soon as Julius Caesar stopped existing. But Mark Antony at one point was one of the naked guys who was running around striking people with a bloody whip. And during one Lupercalia, in fact, the Lupercalia that supposedly came just before Caesar got Ides of Marched, Antony offered Caesar a crown as part of the festivities. Caesar turned down the offer of kingship. He was still a dictator, of course, but he publicly, during a major holiday, declined to be a king. And I love how much of Lupercalia contrasts with the images of the Romans that I got growing up. As a kid in Catholic school, I was taught that the Romans were austere, practical, rational, and all about, you know, aqueducts. <laughs> we didn't really learn about the kinky religious festivals, but they were as weird and kinky as basically anybody else. But right now you're probably wondering, this thing was celebrated on or during or throughout February 13th through 15th, what's this Roman holiday all about S&M and goat murder have to do with Valentine's Day? Well, like the origins of Lupercalia, its evolution into Valentine's Day is muddy, but a lot of historians have speculated quite a bit about the possible connections. Valentinius was a fairly common name in the first few centuries CE on the Italian peninsula and multiple early Christian saints and martyrs have that name. So when pre-modern sources mention St. Valentine, it can actually be pretty hard to know which one they're referencing. It's maybe a half dozen different guys from the early Christian period. During the 200 CE, one or possibly two Christian martyrs named Valentinius were killed on February 14th, 
And again, it's possible that multiple early martyrs named Valentinius got combined with each other, or that one Valentinius was mistaken for another. The point is, though, at least one Valentinius got got on February 14th, and that turned into a St. Valentine feast day. Not the only one, by the way, but that's the one that we celebrate and recognize now in our own Hallmark Cardish kind of way. Also, most of the stories we have about St. Valentine are legendary and probably come from folk traditions rather than from history. Uh, if you're passingly familiar with the guy, or at least the mythological figure, you might have heard stories about how Valentine secretly performed Christian marriage rites during Roman repression, especially for Roman soldiers. Those stories, though, post-date the life of actual martyr St. Valentinius by hundreds of years, but more on that in a moment. The earliest accounts of him don't have much to do with rom romantic love. They're all about his refusal to renounce Christianity, as martyrs were known for, and also about restoring sight to a blind girl. But one or more Valentinius was executed under the Emperor Claudius on February 14th, that became a Valentine's Day, and the middle of February was already associated with fertility rites, matchmaking, love, and sex. So, so any saint's day that got placed there was probably going to be likewise associated with those things. Any saint's day that was going to be plopped down in the middle of February was probably going to get some Lupercalia on it. In the 400 CE, Pope Galatius I abolished Lupercalia in Rome. But just because the church formally abolished something, that doesn't mean people are going to stop celebrating it. Lupercalia was an established folk tradition, and folks were really into it. So you can't get people to just stop celebrating a seasonal holiday. Especially a seasonal holiday that has to do with, well, you're getting on towards the end of winter, everybody's feeling kind of pent up, it's time to release some energy. We want to get going, get the growing season started, maybe do something fun and exciting involving whips. That stuff was still popular, no matter what the Pope said. By the way, something to keep in mind about early Christians is we think of them as being these steadfast martyrs who refused to worship the various Roman gods and I really want to emphasize that that wasn't everybody. There were plenty of early followers of Jesus who were totally fine with worshiping both the Abrahamic God and also various pagan gods. It happened more often than you think. So plenty of folks probably were okay with Jesus and with the saints and with early pagan rites all at the same time. Christianity didn't necessarily look like Christianity for a long, long time uh, after the death of Jesus. So plenty of people probably didn't see any kind of contradiction between talking about saints and Christianity when it became an official Roman religion, and also doing traditional folk religious stuff that their ancestors had passed on to them. Uh, it was less of a distinction in their minds than it is in our minds. So, the point is, the middle of February still had a bunch of kinky sex all over it, and Valentine's Day became associated with all of that. Centuries later, folk traditions attributing tales of romantic love to St. Valentine started to appear. Like the legend about him secretly performing marriage rites for Roman soldiers or for early Christians. 
they likely don't have much of a historical basis, and again, reflect a prior association for this time of year with fertility rites and romantic love, rather than anything about St. Valentine, the guy. And it looks like, because of all that, Lupercalia gradually evolved into Valentine's Day. At least, that's what it looks like. We can't prove a direct chain between Lupercalia and Valentine's Day. We don't have a paper trail that shows one holiday seamlessly evolving into another. But it makes a lot of intuitive sense. And sometimes that's the best that we can do with these type of things. So we have to settle for just a probable link. But it's a really narratively satisfying probable link, don't you think? A festival all about blood, sex, and whips, persisting for centuries, gradually evolving into a Christian saint's day, gradually evolving still into a day all about greeting cards and those little candy hearts, but still, at its core, maintaining something primal, bloody, raucous, and libidinal. (laughs) Anyway, happy Valentine's Day, happy Lupercalia, however you celebrate, be it with streaking or with chocolates. All the best to you and yours. As always, the Weird History Podcast is written, recorded, and edited by me, Joe Streckert. Our logo, website, and other assets are by Sarah Giffro of Upswept Creative. Uh, I am on Twitter, at Joe Streckert. Uh, we're on Facebook. I'm on Mastodon. I'm on Mastodon as at Joe Streckert. Follow me there. Uh, thank you all very much for listening. Talk to you next time. Bye. Give the pass.